Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, my dear listener, for joining us again. Another edition of The Coaching Show each and every week, bringing you people out on the cutting edge or just plain interesting, people doing something in this field we call coaching. Uh, are we doing uh, video today or just audio? We're doing just audio. Oh, well, yeah. I wore my nice, I wore well, my clean shirt for nothing? The second half will be in video. Okay, yeah, I'm looking forward like, to that. We, we're mixing it up, keep the, people on their toes. The voices you're hearing, mine, Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, been a coach 27 years, so yes, since I was two. And uh, this here is Alex Terranova. You can find him on thedreammason.com, thedreammason.com, got his own podcast. You've been a coach for how many years? Five? Five years now. You're celebrating yeah. your fifth year, congratulations. Yeah. Many many businesses don't make it to that much, right? I hear that. I'm Something... A, yeah. Some big number of them. And uh, anything you want the people to know about you? Oh, man. That's enough, really. Uh, I'm going to Belize tomorrow, and you just told me that I'm going to get malaria and I can't give blood. It's like, what a send-off. Thank you. Belize it or not. <laughs> the, um, the That's correct. No, when you come back from Belize, you cannot give blood for a year, which I did not know because I went to Belize to get engaged to my current wife. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen for me on this trip. That is, uh, you'll I'm, be surprised. I am. Uh, that is not the goal or the intention. It was, uh, yeah. So, but you will love it. Uh, anything you want us to know about the trip? Are you going with somebody special? You know, I'm not. Well, I mean, a, spe- a friend, a very good friend. Is uh, it me, Melanie? You know, Melanie, and then Whoa. three of her friends who I've only met one of them once and one of them is planning like all sorts of things. And this is really, I've actually just leaned myself back and sent her money. So we might, you know, end up in a tent and I've been sending her money. But I'm like practicing just. I did that with a woman once. It was the seventies. We can't talk about. It. <laughs> I'm practicing just surrendering, like yeah. not knowing what we're gonna do. That's awesome. And, and the one thing I did was like I need to get a bunch of uh, mosquito yes. stuff because that will take me out if I'm getting bit up. Right. But if I can minimize that, it's just like go with it and have fun. Also, clothing will help. All right. Well, congratulations. <laughs> when you come back, you'll tell us all about it. Have a great time. How long are you gonna be gone? Uh, two and a half weeks. Have a great time. I'm more than a little envious. Uh, okay, well, uh, so people should not reach out to you, but they can hear your I mean, dulcet tones. Should I'm not going, I'm not to, going the, to Mars? <laughs> TheDreamMason.com and finding out about the Dream Mason podcast. There, uh, you are our in-studio guest co-host. Although these days you're like always here. Um, <laughs> what do we want to talk about today? Uh, there are everybody's uh, got deals on registering for conferences, and you should get you should get your uh, applications in to speak at conferences. So the Association of Coach Training Organizations, their conferences in, I want to say, May in Texas, uh, open for people who want to speak. Also, the Midwest Regional Conference, I forget where it's going to be this year, I got to look it up, um, is looking is calling for people to speak, but also there's an early bird registration, the Conversation Among Masters Conference, of course, as well as your regional ICF conferences. Check it all out. Go to coachfederation.org or the ACTO online, actoonline.org to find out more about some of those. Um, did you ever, I, I, I recently had a, um, an interaction where I was scheduling with somebody and their assistant was right on top of things. Do you ever have this? Like where the assistant is on top of things. And uh, the name was Clara. And Clara was like right there. The minute I would respond and say, oh, I can't make this time, Clara was right there. Oh, I'm so sorry. And what about these other times? Because, you know, this person would really like to meet you. And um, I thought, man. So when I met with that person finally, I said, I got to acknowledge your assistant is amazing, Clara. And she said, do you want to know a secret? And I said, probably. And she said, Clara is AI. Artificial intelligence. Oh, I thought you were going to say she was Clara and she just had a face. She used a right. different that name. Would be, that, <laughs> that, uh, yeah. So why I bring this up is because I think back office technology, back office stuff is something that confounds a lot, a lot of us. I know I've got a, a to-do list that's a million miles long. How about you? Yeah, I just was talking to my coach about can I actually do all the things I want to do this year? Yeah, I got hired yesterday by somebody that I had forgotten about. You know, and then I ran across, like I was looking for some other email and then found them. So I, I don't know about you, but back office is always, uh, it's something that's 
sorely needed. And no matter whether you're 27 years in the business or five years, right, it's something that's important. Do you now? If you're brand new, you could probably manage your back office with like a crayon and a paper towel, right? But the rest of us, <laughs> at, at, like after your first year or so, when did you start noticing that you needed systems? I, I still need systems. I mean, I still like the amount of people that I meet and the amount of things I need to do. And, and I, just, I shouldn't even say need the things I want to do. Um, I still don't have the best systems and I've tried lots of different things. You, you do. You have like a little pad of to do's right in front of you right yeah, now. I, cre I created a system, right? I created a system right there. I sell that to my and give it to my clients and I sell it. But um but I, and like I've used like CRMs and all these things, mm -hmm. but right. often what I find is all the things that are supposed to make my life easier actually just give me more things that I have to do and mm -hmm. make my life harder. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to know what was in my wine cellar. And there, my friend says, there's an app for that, but you got to um, <laughs> enter every single bottle of wine you have. And I'm like, if I had that time. Oh, poor you. You have a wine cellar. <laughs> Sorry. Poor you. I have four <laughs> bottles that sit on a counter. Yeah. Warm. Upright. And sun. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get back to my point, which was um, that our guest, our first guest today is uh, extraordinary in the area of back office, of processes and infrastructures for fast-growing small businesses. She hosts a weekly business infrastructure podcast called Business Infrastructure, Curing Back Office Blues. She's also the author of an Amazon bestseller, Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success. Um, her Online content has generated over half a million views. She is extraordinary in the ways, in being wise in the ways of organizing yourself and making your business run. Please welcome to our microphones, Alicia Butler-Pierre, the founder and CEO of Equilibria. Hello. Wow, that was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on the show today. Thanks for being had, as we like to say. Alicia, look around outside. What, where do you find yourself today? What city are you in? I am in Atlanta, Georgia. The ATL. Nice. Yes, the ATL. Hotlanta. That's as far as I can go with that conversation. <laughs> uh, tell, us about, uh, tell us about the biggest mistake that most small business people, entrepreneurs, especially coaches or service professionals, are making. If you could wave your magic wand and fix one thing that we're all doing wrong, what would it be? It's exactly what you and, and what you all started the show off talking about is not having those key systems and processes in place as they grow their, their businesses. Mm -hmm. and, and what's interesting, this is an interesting question because so many, there are several people who actually don't want to grow past a certain level, but for those who are serious about not just growing, but actually scaling their businesses, processes and systems that operational back office stuff is an absolute necessity. And is there one thing that's sort of overall, like, uh, is it more important to keep in touch with our people we've talked to before? Is it more important to be responsive to people like I was talking about Clara and the AI or what's, mm -hmm. what's a, what do you think is the number one or is it everything? Is everything? You know, as I was listening to you all talk, but before we actually got started with this part of the interview, I wrote a note to myself, you know, the reason why you may feel as though your life has become even more complicated once you start to delegate or excuse me, once you start to implement some of these other technologies, it's because you aren't also delegating. Mm. And that's the key piece because you're, you're growing and you're growing and the demand for whatever it is that you're doing is increasing you have to not only invest in the technology, but invest in other people that you can delegate that work to as well. So I'm going to reveal a uh, personal problem and let you take a look at this because I think you just brought up something that's awesome. So a lot of a lot of people that go into the coaching field had other, obviously other jobs before they worked in corporate or they, you know, they read, led teams or maybe were on teams. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, like I was in hospitality. I had a, uh, I think I did a great job at like, you know, moving the pieces around and, and delegating and overseeing multiple restaurants at one time. Now as an entrepreneur where the work has become so much more per, like personal, I notice I be I am such the cog in the wheel. I can't get out of my own way yeah. in trying to help myself, even when I do bring in other people. And I don't think that's only my problem. I mean, I've seen. No, it's I've, not. It's tough because it's your baby. Whereas when you were working in the hospitality industry, you had access to what may at the time have seemed like an infinite supply of resources at your fingertips. 
Whereas now you have to be so much more careful about where you spend your money, how you spend your time, the different people that you bring on board, there's so much more risk involved. So no, that's, that's not isolated to you at all. It's something we all experience. And again, it's because it's our baby. We've, we've birthed these businesses from scratch. And so it's, it can be difficult to let go of certain things. Is there a, um, like a, a, a direction I should go from this place, a, a, a list I should make, things I should do? Well, here's what I, I would start off with writing out, and this, this can be a very laborious exercise, by the way, but really listing out everything that you do in your business from the most mundane to the most complex. And what might be really helpful for you, Alex, is if you actually write down the average amount of time that it takes to perform each of those different tasks. And then you can decide, you know what, when I'm spending all of this time, for example, let's just say with social media, you may find that you're spending, I don't know, anywhere from maybe five to 10 hours a week. And you start to think about, well, how much of my time, if I, if I could actually be working with one of my coaching clients, how much more time could I have to work with a client if I were to de- delegate at least half of that social media activity to someone else? It's going to really help give you some clarity that you may not have right now. It always helps when you can start to quantify the different things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. I got I got a drill down question about this. Are you okay if I take yeah, it? Yeah. The uh, the so let's talk about systems and structures. One of the okay. things I started doing. This is a real life world thing. Is when I started my company twenty years ago, I would write a handwritten birthday card to everybody. Right. So mm. if you were my vendor, if you were my client, if you were my if you were a referral source or something. And so my database of birthdays and addresses and everything became its own little business. Right. <laughs> and now I spend literally 30 <laughs> minutes a day probably writing business, you know, handwriting notes on birthday cards. And frankly, about 90 percent of these people I remember. Right. And then there's people I'm like, oh, that person. I just nice. got mine. It felt great. I love it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I love it because, you know, it's something that's like a dying art, right? We don't do that anymore. Right. Uh, written, handwritten notes anymore. But there's a reason. It's taken half an hour of my freaking day. And <laughs> right. so I'm wondering, and, and my intention here is to use this as a way to get to our listeners. In other words, there are daily tasks that we've taken on that become onerous. Is this something, you say delegation, and I think, yeah, there are lots of services that will send out sort of written birthday cards, or I could mm-hmm. pre-print birthday cards with a saying on them and then just sign my name. But I think in those er- areas, there are some areas where the personal touch is required. Got anything for me? That That's a really great point. And what I would offer to you is, or ask you is, are there different things that you could be doing aside from handwriting a personal note? Mm. Could you send a quick email to someone? Could you send a text message to someone? Could you actually shout that person out on social media? Mm. I do that a lot. If I happen to be scrolling through my inbox, I, I I did this just yesterday, actually. I did it twice. There were, as I was going through my inbox, I noticed there were two different people that I adore and I think very highly of. One is Sherry Heil, another is Marie and Contrera. Mm-hmm. They both happen to be offering free webinars on completely different topics. I made it a point because we all need content, right? I made it a point to go onto LinkedIn as well as Twitter and actually promote their webinars. It was completely unexpected from both of them, but it was just another way of extending a nice gesture like, hey, it may be a while, it may have been a a long time since we last spoke spoke to each other or saw each other, but I just wanna let you know, I'm watching you, I'm seeing what you're doing and I'm promoting you. So there are different ways that you can do it, you know, in addition to actually handwriting a thank you note. Very good. Something else. What do you, what else do you struggle with? I know that uh, coaches struggle with billing. They struggle with you know keeping track of how many sessions have we had, or you know did I owe you one from that time I was sick? Or... You know, for me, I, I found a, a an amazing program uh, like online called Dubsado, which called I put. What? It's called Dubsado. It's a very interesting name, but it it's like I hmm. put I'm able to put in, and I only use it basically. And I put in all my contracts, um, any any questionnaires I have, and then. 
when I meet someone and they're interested in coaching, I give them a link and I ask them before we do that sample session, will they fill out this short questionnaire? Mm -hmm. Now they get to actually look at things like we're going to talk about, like what are their goals? What Very simple. Like it's not too complex, five questions or so. It also gives me their name, their phone number, their address, their email address. So now I have that, right? And then if they sign up with me, I drop in some links and it sends them the agreements, the contracts, the coaching program they choose. They can sign it all digitally. It makes it really simple. What I notice is uh, the place where I get stuck, because that I kind of have down, is the list of people builds up. I do a lot of sample sessions. And a lot of the people are like, hey, maybe not now, but please stay in touch with me. And then I lose them. Right. Like right, I'm yeah. like four months down, I've done another 50 sample sessions and you're not going to remember. And I forgot about Joe who probably would have hired me if I got back to him. Yeah. Is there, Alicia, is there something that you use or recommend is, is technology an answer for all of us? You say delegation, but is it also getting delegating it to machines to sort of remind us? Yes. And, and I'm, I'm curious about this program. Does it allow you to set up reminders? Because it, it sounds as though these people that you're providing these sample sessions to, they're what you would call prospects right. because you've actually already completed a sample session with them. Mm -hmm. Are you able, one, to categorize the different people that are in the database that's associated with that program that you're talking about? I can categorize them. I don't know if I can set like reminders. I almost need someone yeah. to figure that out for me. <laughs> So here's something that if you have an assistant, this is something you can very easily delegate to an assistant. You can say, hey, Claire, <laughs> AI Claire, um, I just had this amazing sample session with Jane Doe. Make sure you go into our CRM, whatever CRM you may be using, mm -hmm. and set up a reminder for me to actually connect with her again in two weeks, a month, two months, whatever time frame you want to set up. That's one thing that you could do, mm -hmm. but it's, it's frustrating because there are all of, there are a lot of tools that are out there that provide very specific functions, but it may not have everything you're looking for. And so you end up having to right. maybe do some double, triple entry into multiple different systems because they don't talk to each other. Right. Here's how old I am. I used to manage that with three by five cards in one of those kitchen uh, recipe boxes, oh <laughs> yes. you know, with a, and I would just do, I put the monthly indexes in there. So if I talked to you in January and I said, can I follow up with you in a month or so? I just put it in behind in February. That's not a bad so, idea. Sometimes, it's not, right? Sometimes like the, the oldest ideas the simplest, actually yeah. work really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, did I, that for like I just years. actually started using index cards again instead of a journal. Mm. Um, I find it to be a lot easier to use. And the way I got the idea was I read a book over the holiday break at toward the end of 2019 called Write It Down, Make It Happen. And there was this, there was one particular story that the author talked about where this client of hers uses index cards. And I was like, oh, my God, I think that would be so much easier for me mm -hmm. because it's lightweight very portable. I can check things off. And then the minute I've accomplished everything I've written on that particular index card, I can just toss it. That is brilliant. I got eight. I, yeah. And it's, it's working out really well, but if I may, I, I want to yeah. mention another technology that, mm -hmm. that you all may want to look into. It's called Zapier, Z like zebra, A P like Paul, I E R. I've heard of this. It's Somebody actually a middleware. So it can actually get some of the different technologies you're already using to start communicating with each other. Oh, I need that. Let's, uh, and we should point out that your book, Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success, actually will take you through, no matter what kind of business, small, medium, or large you've got, will actually take you through and have you look at the operations and how to make each piece more sustainable and more flowy, so to speak, have a better yes, flow. Yes, yes. So, um, I love that word, flowy. <laughs> <laughs> I just make up stuff. The, uh, uh, we should also let people know about your podcast. You can find it on businessinfrastructure.tv. That's TV like television. Businessinfrastructure.tv. Did I get that right? Yes, thank you. So, um, so you're actually not here to sell us or push one type of uh, 
app or one type of thing. You're just saying, look, whatever you use, make sure that they talk to each other, they connect, and get your time. What I'm hearing you you say is, my time as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, as the service provider, needs to be focused on what I and only I can do, which is provide the service to my client. Exactly. Yes. And I, somebody, something or buddy or AI should take care of everything else. Is there right. a, besides, is it, I don't know if it's Zapier or Zapier, but besides that, is there something else that you recommend? That and index cards. I've got my little notes. What else do you recommend <laughs> these days to people who are oh, just gosh, starting Oh gosh, there's out? so many things. I, I, I love how you all present these different problems or issues and, and that's what really helps me start brainstorming oh, okay. solutions. So, um, anything else you can think of? And that would that would help absolutely. help me tell you of some different tools. Absolutely, I uh, somehow my calendars got confused, and so now I'm every once in a while I'm surprised because my phone somehow is not exactly synced to everything else, and sometimes there's something that'll show up here that's not on something else, and I'm surprised by a meeting I committed to a long time ago, <laughs> or worse, a speaking gig that I forgot I had, and then I look and see, oh, I'm supposed to be in a different city mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, anything? I am so glad you brought that up because now this is going to shock both of you. I went back to using a desktop calendar. I went to an office depot and for five bucks, I wow. bought one of those large desktop calendars because I was facing the exact same issue. And here's what I found. I'm very visual. Mm -hmm. if, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind for me. There's something magical about having... Everything, all of your speaking engagements, every podcast interview or radio show interview that you're either conducting or if you're going to be featured on someone else's radio show or podcast, I list all of the major things that I'm doing and make sure that it's literally kind of etched, um, for lack of a better word, etched into stone mm -hmm. on paper. And that way I know I have a hard copy. I because you're right. So even technology is great. And I mean, there's been so many advances. It's, it's amazing. But we can, there are times when it, it can fail us and, and things may not synchronize the way that they should. And after I've, I've filled out everything for, let's say, a particular month, I'll, I'll then just snap a photo of it on my phone. That way, if I'm traveling, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, I'm not going to pack that large calendar and bring it with me. But I can at least refer back to it on my phone in my in my in my photo section of my phone. I like that's it. something I, that I do, and I've I've found it to be incredibly helpful. I it's really very like very inexpensive. The idea of one also, like there's just one. The thing about ri written down on paper or whatever the cardstock is, is that there's only one place. It's not on this calendar or that calendar exactly. or your family or whatever. Yes. Yeah, and I've got kids, and that just compounds the thing. Well, yeah. it's, it's so great to talk to you. I want to make sure people can reach you and find out more about working with you. The business website is EQB. Those are the letters EQBsystems.com. Uh, uh, where else should people look for you? Uh, we talked about businessinfrastructure.tv. Where, where else can we find you? Definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Mm. So you can find me at Alicia Butler Pierre. I'm also very active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My handle on tw Twitter and Instagram is Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A underscore B, like boy, underscore Pierre. Very good. And where do we get the book? You can find the book, honestly, anywhere books are sold, but most popularly people go to Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Amazon, I've not heard awesome. of that. Is that, it seems very popular. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I so appreciate your time today and I appreciate your expertise. We've learned to delegate. We've learned that we can use simple things and this Zapier, I'm going to check it out so that my, um, I don't know about you, but my, my, financial systems, my Quicken QuickBooks thing doesn't talk to my mm. CRM. And so I have to, oh, everything gosh, twice. Yes. that's not, that's not good. Um, okay. Uh, anything else? And any last 
points for you, Mr. Terno. I mean, I want to check out the book because I'm like, what, yeah. what do I not know? What do I not know that I don't know? Right, that we got to go step by step. Yeah. And, you know, you could. it's good reading for your trip to Belize is what I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. Well, I'm like, yes. still, I still think I'm in for five years, right? I'm still in the beginning. I can make a lot of changes to have the next 15, 20, 30 go a lot smoother and easier. Yeah. And listen, you can steal my idea about index cards and one of those kitchen <laughs> recipes. Really like I really like it. It's so basic. <laughs> All right. Uh, Alicia, anything uh, did you want to leave us with in our last minute together here? Some Some parting thought or parting shot for our listeners today? Sure. You know, just because we all in some capacity, even if we don't necessarily call ourselves coaches, we do a lot of coaching just as subject matter experts. Mm -hmm. And my personal mantra is leave it better than you found it. I had to come to terms with this years ago that, you know, sometimes your clients, they aren't going to do everything that you recommend in the exact way that you suggest they do it. But rest, rest easy knowing that you may have left a particular person or a situation better than you found it. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you so much. That is Alicia Butler-Pierre. You can find her on eqbsystems.com or on businessinfrastructure.tv. The book, do you have it up? Alicia, tell me the name of the book only because I've changed. Sure, sure. It's Behind the Facade, How to Structure company operations for sustainable success. And I forgot to mention, if you connect with me on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. ask me for a copy of a free copy of one of the chapters, and I will definitely send Ooh, that to you. The, the basics. That's what we need. And once again, yes. now I finally found myself. The uh, Alicia is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success, available, as we mentioned, on that uh, Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Thank you so much for being with us today, and thanks for the great work that you're doing in the world, because we all need better structure for our business. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, ATL is out. Our next uh, <laughs> coming right up. We're going to talk with somebody who's a publicist and can get you published and tell you what to say when you get interviewed, like uh, by us on uh, radio, TV, or podcast. All of that right after this. You're listening to The Coaching Show right here on Accomplishment Media or wherever fine podcasts are available. We'll be right back after these messages. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. I just love that guy's voice. I somehow innately trust him. Thank you, Dick Warren. I am here with two extraordinary gentlemen. Uh, this here would be Alex Terranova, my in-studio guest co-host. You are able to be found on the World Wide Web, which is a very popular place, uh, at thedreammason.com. Also, you are a host of your own podcast, The Dream Mason. You're a coach. You're in your fifth year of coaching. What else do we need to know about you? I'm an author, and every time we I hear that intro, I feel like I'm going back in time. This podcast is like uh, Ancient? a time machine. 
<laughs> I think you just called me old. Um, your book is called Fictional Authenticity, and it is available wherever fine books are available, including uh, accomplishment media, including the Amazon, which I understand is really picking up steam. Anything else? I feel like I'm your publicist. I mean, it's nice to have somebody talk about me. <laughs> okay. In a good way, in a, in a positive way. Go ahead. Go on vacation. Where are you going? I'm going to Belize for like two and a half weeks. I will miss you, sort of. And um, uh, this gentleman... This gentleman is our guest today. Uh, I know that you just wrote your first book. How, what was your experience like? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't it, have a lot of it time. Was, uh, it was exhausting. It was The process was grueling, exhausting, uh, the hardest thing I've ever done, but the reward was totally worth it. And what uh, did you find that it was sort of like two jobs? Like you had to create the book, get your message out there, edit it, all that sort of thing. And then there's the job of getting the word out. Right? Yeah, I'm not as good at the get. I'm like, marketing is not my strong, like, that is the place I'm still looking for, to continue to get support. Um, the writing was was the easy part. The editing, I got supported. And I think the more, it's like three jobs the writing, the editing, and then the getting it out there. And like you, and like you just said, you love having other people talk about you, but it's hard to go out and promote ourselves, right? And I don't know that we know how, like, I, I mean, I never wrote a book before. I don't know how to like get, aside from like my social media and my podcast and this podcast, how do I get people to find out that I exist and there's a book? Right. And you and I know better than some people how, how some people are really bad at this, right? Remember we had a uh, uh, millionaire guy, what's his name, uh, came on and uh, was just on his like one note one note, right? And I'd say like, so what'd you, you know, I try and throw him off. How, what'd you have for breakfast? Like, I want to meet the human <laughs> behind it. And he was just like, and millionaire and millionaire and millionaire, the millionaire mind guy, T. Harvecker. That's who I'm denigrating on my on my <laughs> little podcast here. Uh, so this gentleman is going to help us with all of that. Richard Kurtz is a media specialist in his day job. He's the media relations coordinator for Strategies Strategies Literary PR. He's also a political scientist and an author in his own right. You have one novel to your name. One novel down. What's in process? The two sequels and three nonfiction books. That's a lot of things to be in process with. Entirely too many. The worst thing that an author or writer can do. We need you to get a little closer to the microphone because we right. love hearing from you. And so we should push this and then bring the whole thing. Yeah. All right. Um, and... We should say that you are, you and your bride, I believe, are the founders of the La Jolla Writers Conference here in San Diego. All the credit goes to the bride. She founded, <laughs> she founded the conference, thought it up, and founded it in 2001, and it is That's now hitting year 20. 20. Congratulations. And uh, you can register now for that if you'd like. The La Jolla Writers Conference is conveniently available at LaJollaWritersConference.com. And if you don't know how to spell La Jolla, it's L-A-J-O-L-L-A. -L -L -A. Uh, tell, tell us about that just so we can uh, get excited about it. It's in October of 2020. Well, great time to be in San Diego. Yeah, it is, uh, as I said, this is in its 20th year, and it is Emphasis on the art, craft, and business of writing. It was the first writer's conference to emphasize the business side of writing, mm. uh, including marketing, if you will. And uh, it, was, uh, it was her brainchild. It has developed and expanded and endured because of the quality. It's a not-for-profit item, mm -hmm. although that's not a legal term. The conference only charges what it takes to put it on. Everybody volunteers, including the top publishers, publicists, authors that fly themselves in to present and to be available to teach at the conference. And we don't know uh, everybody who's going to be there, but any names signed on that we can talk about or not yet? Uh, I don't handle that. That directorship is in Jared's hands. And uh, we're a little early in the game, but sure. I know the invitations went out for next year. Very good. So again, La Jolla Writers Conference. I, I, didn't, com. I didn't get mine. Was there? I didn't get my invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to the man going on vacation. Rich, you you do this for a living. You're a media relations coordinator for writers, especially. You contract you contact producers. You've got a probably a um, what we used to call a Rolodex that's a mile long. You know now a, a whatever CRM system. 
What is, if you were talking to somebody like Alex, who's just gone through the onerous job of writing a book, what's the number one thing that these people are doing wrong or that you would have them start doing immediately to be better at getting in the public eye? Well, we're going to start with the Boy Scout motto. Be prepared. Mm. Uh, you need to know who you are before you decide to use media. You need to know what you want to say, why you want to say it, who you want to reach. Um, and then you need to go from what you want to what everybody else wants. What is an audience going to want to hear about your book? Uh, and then in the process of getting to that audience, what does the media outlet want? What does the producer want? What does the host want? Then what does the audience want? And particularly, what do you want? And when you get that soup together, uh, you can then sit down and begin the idea of approaching getting on media. And that's just the start. Okay, so that sounds like a lot of things, right? But being prepared, I can do. So we got to be prepared with knowing what is a value or an interest? Kind of like what I did was I said, what's the number one most important thing? We got to be prepared to answer that question is what I'm hearing. I'm not sure I understand the question. What's the most important thing is to is to really know yourself. Right. No. Well, what I got was that uh, other interviewers will do what I did. I just asked you. I'm just going meta for a minute. I just asked you what's the most important thing, and you had an answer. Being prepared is the most important thing. Yes. And that's what you want authors to do, right, is to be prepared with so that they can field a question like that. Like, what's the number one... Do you mind if we play no, with you? No, please. What's the number one message that you want people to get out of fictional authenticity? If they walked away with one thing, what would it be? That if they were authentic, their lives would be easier, and they would create way more results. They're spending a lot of time pretending people are spending a lot of time pretending in their lives which are taking away from what they want to create how did he do about 90 percent pretty good i don't know if i ever got a 90 percent of my life <laughs> i'll take it um anything you want to you want to point to that he could have done differently just to give us an example one of the things that should be in the back of his mind is that uh, in being authentic it has to be authentic about something that is of importance to the audience. Mm. I mean, you can be authentic about nuclear physics, but if you're on a classical music station, nobody <laughs> nobody cares. Nice. Nice. So, so yeah. have something to offer that people can either identify with or connect to? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, you're going to live and die by association. Mm. You have to decide what you want that audience to associate you with. Makes sense. So my criticism of our interview with Harv Eker is that he was just message, 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 right? Everything was the millionaire mind, the millionaire mind, the millionaire mind. And um, you're saying we got to do a little of that. Maybe not to the exclusion of everything else, but it's important to know what your message is and give people something they can use. Your message will come across if you give people something they can use relative to your message. It's a... It's very oblique and it's very direct at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a subtlety to it. There's a timing factor to it. Uh, there's a selectivity factor to it. Uh, one of the worst things that when you have authors on the air, they do, or when they contact the producer, one of the worst things they do is they say, I wrote a book. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you don't hear the click in the producer's head, it's there. It's, I don't care. Right. Okay? Two and a half million people wrote books last year. Holy bajoli. Is that true? Well, yes. Wow. Um, and a lot more wrote them, and they never got published. And even with self-publishing, which puts an awful lot of questionable works mm -hmm. out there. Did I put that nicely? <laughs> yes, you did. I'm um, like, I don't, I don't feel accomplished anymore. Right. My whole year is a what <laughs> now? Well, if, about 10 years ago. Ever see those little marks on the bottom of a book mm -hmm. in the back? It's called the ISBN. Yeah, it is right. the only thing that separates one book from another because you can have 100 books out there with the same title. Mm. There were, and this is the company we all wish we owned. It's called Bowker. They issued the ISBNs. Oh, for, yeah. For, for about 25 bucks a piece. We should have done that. Yes. And uh, there were 175,000 of them issued about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And 1.75 million issued That's fairly amazing. recently. Self-publishing has done that. Uh, the 
interest in writing has done that. People wanting to express themselves has yeah. done that. And this is a good thing. This is exercise of the First Amendment. It's also a bad thing because what you've done is, is you've crowded the field. It's like watching TV. Right. We used to have three channels to choose from. Exactly. And now there are 600 shows on there at any given point in Not time. Not to mention streaming that you can choose yourself. And, right? and the same percentage of quality. Exactly. So let's go back. I, I, I may be picking up that it's not a great idea to write a book anymore. Well, it is if you want to write a book. But not if you're looking to get rich from that book, for example. Well, yeah, what's, what are the purposes of writing a book? Why okay. should we write books? First thing is self-expression. Mm -hmm. Second thing is uh, entertainment. You want to entertain somebody else. And I have to admit this, and you might find this to be the case, when I was writing my book mm -hmm. and as I've written anything else, I entertain myself. Yes. If it's not going to start by entertaining you, um, it's probably <laughs> not going to entertain anyone else. Um, and where that line changes is if you happen to be a you know, borderline psychotic and you find certain things oh. entertaining. Yeah. You know, that might not be entertaining to other people other than from a clinical analysis standpoint. But um, if you're going to write a business book, okay, uh, that's something that you're looking to do to make money, which also affects the way you should consider publishing. Mm -hmm. If you're going to write a business book and you speak to groups, it doesn't make sense to go to a, uh, a major publishing house unless uh -huh. you have a relationship with them and they're going to write you one heck of a check because the numbers, and now we're going over to the business side of writing, which I should pass on to Antoinette, but the numbers of the amount of money you can make off a self-published book as opposed to a house-published book is phenomenally different. Give us, an, give us a range. For example, if you self-publish, what do you expect to get from a book that sells versus if a publishing house picks you up? Okay, and I'm being approximate here because mm -hmm. this is not sure. my bailiwick. You take that $10 book, right. $10 retail book, um, you may see 15% 15, 15 of that if it comes through wow. a big house. If you take that same book, once you get past your production costs and things like that, uh, and I'm talking hard books, notwithstanding the fact that electronic books are much less expensive to right. produce, right. but if you're selling back-of-the-room sales... Mm -hmm. And you sell that book for $10, and you do everybody a favor and sell it for $8, you're going to pick up six. Wow. Is that your experience? You've, you've self-published? If you've had the stuff properly printed. So I make it's, – it's about 50 – well, it depends what I charge, right? If I'm, if I'm in the back of a room at less, something like that, I charge less than what I charge right. on Amazon. So in the back of a room, I make about 50%. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then in the on Amazon, I make about 60%, something like that. But either way, it's better than 15 to your yeah. point, right? Yeah. Yes. What, what I've heard, and I, you can say if this is, I, um, I had a, uh, a, a very famous editor on one of my podcasts, and he had just written his first book, and I was sharing with him my process. And he said to me, like, kudos to you for just like doing it and getting it out there and not waiting and waiting for some big publisher. And his experience that he shared with me was... The, we think the big publisher is going to do all this stuff for us. They're going to like make our book a bestseller. Right. And when he said, look, if you're Michael Crichton, yeah, they're going to make your book a bestseller because you're Michael Crichton and they know they're going to make money. But if you're Alex Terranova and no one knows who you are, they're just going to put your book out there and see what happens. And when nobody knows what it is, they're not going to put any energy into it. Again, in quoting my distinctly better half, <laughs> the shelf life of a book in a bookstore is somewhere between that of unrefrigerated milk and yogurt. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it, it's, it's on the shelf. It's off the shelf. Well, if you look at the numbers, you know, you've got a million new ISBNs that came out. You've got room for, in a big bookstore, 30,000 volumes. Which there are increasingly fewer of. And, yes. and no one you, reads. And you've got the spine sticking out mm -hmm. on that cover you just spent $1,000 having designed. Or if somebody really got you, you spent $5,000 having it designed. And I killed it in that area. Yes. <laughs> um, Although stick figures, yeah. But, but the point is um, you've got that same problem. You've got so many things to choose from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
uh, getting it out there, getting it out there is, is, is the trick. You need to figure out who your audience is. You need to figure out how to access that audience, and you need to access it by media, social media, uh, radio, TV, if you can, every which way you can think of to expose your work or the value of your work. They'll get back to your work. Expose the value of your work to the marketplace. It's always about, it's always about the audience saying, what does this mean to me? Mm. Uh, for our millennial listeners, uh, Michael Crichton was an author who died in 2008, <laughs> so he won't be publishing Michael a lot of Michael Crichton new- wrote Jurassic Park. And... And like, the Andromeda Strain, and Westworld, I, and ER. Yeah, he was a doctor who, right? Yeah. Like it, Michael Crichton's unbelievable. I'm glad but, we had that chat. Um, uh, I want to, I, I want to touch on what you said before because I think there's something really cool that ties this in. Podcasting and book sale, oh, sorry, and book publishing are kind. There's like seven hundred thousand podcasts, and That's I think a hundred thousand are like active, and then one percent actually make money. And we're not in the one, <laughs> um, but we are way ahead of the hundred thousand because we produce podcasts on a regular basis. Like there's consistency. And I share with people all the time, like if you want to write a book or you want to do a podcast, do it because you love it. Yeah. And, and if you're excited to wake up and do it, not because you know, you're going to get rich or you're going to get famous is, is there, is there a way for, um, people to take that love and like, how do you, how do they make money? Like, how do you shift it so they can take their passion and make money on it? All right. I'm going to jump around here. Um, fame <laughs> and fortune are not necessarily on the same page. Mm. Uh, if you want to be famous, I have a formula where you can be famous almost instantly. Will you share that please? Absolutely. <laughs> Go to Home Depot and buy a brick Go over to Staples and buy some whiteout, write your name on that brick, and throw it through a bank window. (laughs) Get a brick. You will be immediately or very quickly famous. Uh, You'll make the headline. (laughs) Have something very poignant to say about it when they arrest you. Mm -hmm. And you'll be in the news cycle. (laughs) Okay, I'm not sure there's much fortune behind that. True. But there is fame, and it's very limited. Um, if you want another example, a, a more perhaps less humorous but accurate example, mm-hmm. let's talk about everybody who wrote a book wants to be on Oprah because if you're on Oprah with your book, it's going to go over the fence and right. blah, 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 and you're going to be famous and rich and loved. Or, and Or adored. Ellen or one of those shows. Right. You know. Wrong. And I give you two names. I give you Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. Know who Dr. Phil is? Super mm-hmm. famous. Great. You know who Gary Zukov is? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. A lot, le- a lot less famous. Yes. Correct. Had the same amount of exposure time on Oprah. Really? Wow. Exactly the same amount. And There's a lot of her podcasts, too. Well, yeah. Gary Zukov was not... The audience was not as taken with Gary Zukov as they were with Dr. Phil. This is no denigration of Gary Zukov. It's just that... Um, Exposure does not equal. It, it, it's mm. luck of the draw, okay? Um, uh, you've got a really good flowy name. That works. You're not a bad-looking guy. You speak well. Thank you. Oh, you're, 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 you've got a better shot than a lot of other people out there, and your book is probably something that will resonate with people. I'm right it's here. All, I can see you. It's all a matter of exposure. Um there's an awful lot of people. I'm going to tell you the saddest story I saw about a book. This is at, do you know what, BE, you know what BEA is? I, I book Expo that. America, I believe it's put on by uh, Publishers Weekly. Mm-hmm. It used to be in New York, L.A., and Chicago, and now they've backed it down in New York. It, it's Disneyland for book people. It used to be where the uh, book buyers, your major book buyers, would go to the major booksellers and see what they had. And uh, it was like, Hundreds of thousands of square feet of space at the Javits Center. And you walk around and people were giving out books and uh, you can meet with the authors and get them signed and things like that. Well, at the uh, at BEA, Antoinette used to teach some courses on PR, book PR. And she would get 
crowded after her presentations because she's that darn good. And I would be there doing the, you know, secondary crowd control. And I had my own <laughs> name tag that said I'm with her. <laughs> nice. And, and uh, this gentleman came up to me. I believe he was uh, East Indian, delightful man, and he shows me this book. And it was leather-bound. Beautiful. Deep, deep red, beautiful leather-bound book with gold leaf printing on it. And he says, I need to know how I can market this book. And I said, what is it about? It's about ancient mathematical symbols. Now, there's a bestseller. There's a bestseller, I'm thinking. This poor guy printed up several thousand of them. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, the pain. Wow. Uh, even if he had it printed in India, uh, he still spent a small fortune printing up this book that I think eight people on the planet may have an interest in and four of them could afford to buy it. Right. Uh, to be fair, those four people would love that book. Yes, they would. Right. They would. And it's probably phenomenally well done on the subject. Mm -hmm. But what's the marketing appeal? Here's what he didn't do. He didn't sit down. He probably entertained himself to a certain extent writing True. the book. Yeah. This was his expertise. Self-expression and self-entertainment. did he sit down and say, who's my audience? Mm -hmm. I'm guessing he never asked himself that question. So there's, there's among the first questions you ask yourself, and this is the question you should ask yourself when you write the title of your first book before you start writing the book. Who do I want to read this book? Who is likely to read this book? Uh, and hopefully, along with reading it, who's likely to buy it? Clear. That's the general idea. So the first rule, we've learned a lot so far. First rule is be prepared. Know what you're going to say and so that when people ask you something off the cuff, you're ready. Second thing is being clear why you're writing. Third is who's your audience. And you want to always be able to connect to the audience, right? You always want to offer something that is of value or of interest or of some, some captivation for the audience rather than, well, I sat down at my kitchen table and I, right, we, we want to actually offer value every time we speak about the book. Am I picking up what you're laying down? Yes. Uh, it's, uh, that's the general idea. And some of the specifics involved picking apart your book and thinking about what expertise you used to write that book that you can now use as your personal expertise on the air because people are going to associate you and your expertise and then go, oh, that guy's interesting. I think I want to look further. Mm -hmm. And the next place you want them to go from your radio show is your website. And oddly enough, on your website, it's going to show your book. You would really like it if the host mentioned your book. But if you stand there with the book in your hand, waving it at the host, especially on TV, <laughs> you'll probably won't do media unless you're <laughs> ever again. Uh, and, and so it's really interesting when you start picking apart that book to see what the audience wants. Is there, uh, I'm gonna keep going until you interrupt. No, no, what were you gonna right. say? Uh, well, I'm wondering about the other things. So you've given us a couple of examples of things that are really bad ideas. <laughs> if let's say that, uh, and we're kind of using Alex, but let's say any one of us has written a, a book and we want to get out there, or even if we haven't written a book, but we've got this great, you know, hey, I'm the coach of left-handed basket weavers, and I want to let everybody who's a left-handed basket weaver know that I'm there for them. That's a large constituency. <laughs> Is there? Well, it's it was that or ancient mathematical symbols, and so I was. I went the other way. Indiana Jones isn't alive anymore either. So. <laughs> what? what? Uh, it, are there things not to do when we're reaching out, when we're trying to spread our message, when we're talking to producers of shows? There are people out there who are looking for somebody to interview for content, right? So they get a hold of you or they, they get a hold of your website and they reach out to you. What should you never do? Well, just to get a few steps back from that point, when you finally get to the point that you've figured out what you want to say and it sounds like you can make a decent pitch about what you want to say, which is not a small process. And you contact producers after you've narrowed down the shows to which you want to pitch. You know, is it a political show? Is it a medical show? Is it a spiritual show? 
then you need to never say what I said before, hi, I wrote a book, or never get the feeling across to that producer that, well, you're only the producer. Oh. You never want it. She's the gatekeeper. She is the person who is ultimately going to say, hey, I think this guy is going to be good on your show. And if you tick her off, let me tell you, that takes a lot of undoing. Uh, Antoinette was contact was represented, and it makes it very tough, uh, especially when you're representing a client whose previous publicist ticked off the medium. Yeah. So Antoinette, I couldn't remember this. It's got to be 15, 18 years ago. Uh, she was representing someone whose publicist was really pushy and nasty. And uh, the woman wouldn't take the call, wouldn't even take the calls. So she overnighted her a box of homemade chocolate chip cookies. Wow. And said, I'm the new publicist. <laughs> Took the call, got the woman on the air, and nice. it went fine from there. But once you smack the gatekeeper in the head, mm -hmm. the gate's not going to open. Clear. I wanna, wait, I, wait, I got something here. So we just talked about what not to do. So don't be a jerk, basically. Don't say, hi, I wrote a book. You should write both of those down. What <laughs> do you say? So, right, I make a list of shows I want to be on. This is a, I'm on tons of podcasts promoting my mm -hmm. book, but getting onto shows has been more challenging. So I want to identify maybe TV shows or, or local media shows I want to get on. And then what do I do? Well, let me give you an example. I had an ex-law enforcement officer who retired, did a great job, a lot of interesting things while she was in the field, uh, was a bit of a pioneer and said enough, retired, and started writing science fiction fantasy. Wow. Now, interestingly enough, there are bits and pieces of law enforcement characters in her sci-fi fantasy. So in mining, literally mining her for what's going on inside her head and then trying to tie it to something media would be interested in, we ended up tying the plausibility of what had been over the years science fiction occurrences mm -hmm. to where they crossed the line into science and reality. Nice. And in her former day job, we have an awful lot of, we'll call it science fiction if you watch TV, uh, police dramas, and the real outer space reality of dealing with these miscreants. Uh, so she's, she's got all this background inside yeah. her. And the pitch was, at oh, one of the pitches was, um, it had to do with the information that came out oh, just a couple of years ago about an incident in 04 where they finally released the idea that the jet pilots in San Diego right. spotted UFOs, yeah. uh, UFOs, something that could not be identified. And she came on as an expert in correlating reality and non-reality and dealing with these issues of UFOs and that sort of thing, which if you got on it, hi, I wrote a a sci-fi fantasy book. Not the same. No, it's not the same. It's this was a current issue. This was tying her ability and her expertise and her present experience in dealing with creating fiction, which might very well next week become reality. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, so this is what you have to think of. You have to get way outside the box and be in it at the same time. Rethinking your content. I love that. All right, uh, Richard, I feel like we should, uh, we're going to wrap this up and then there's going to be an extended content for uh, certain people, correct? Yeah. All right. So let's, our time has been very valuable here, Richard Kurtz. First of all, if people want to work with you, where should they go? How do we find you at Strategies Literary PR? StrategiesPR.com. Uh, if you want to get into the art, craft, and business of writing, mm -hmm. which every writer should, Please look at LaHoyaWritersConference.com. Correct. And uh, otherwise, uh, 
if you have a personal question or, or anything you want to complain or comment, <laughs> richkuritz at gmail.com. It couldn't be easier. Rich Kuritz, that's R-I-C-H, Kuritz is K-U-R-I-T-Z at gmail.com. Or go to strategiespr.com and check out the La Jolla Writers Conference. That's La Jolla, L-A-J-O-L-L-A, writersconference.com. Rich, is there something you'd like to leave us with today? I know we're going to have more content in a moment, but uh, any any sort of parting thought or parting shot for coaches out there listening? If you're going to tell your people about being on media, make sure they recognize the, the basic fact that it's your opportunity, but it's their show. It's not a confrontation. It's a conversation. You are never going to win a debate. You're never going to win an argument. You're going to be the loser. The, the interview has to be the winner. That is very important. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming down in person. And thanks for the great work you do. Again, it's strategiespr.com. And uh, that's it for another edition of The Coaching Show. Anything that you want to leave the people with today, Alex? Did you learn a lot? I learned a lot. Uh, it gave me some ideas on how to approach. Like, I, I have definitely been improving and growing as I do media for my book. But it gave me some specific ways. Like, I've just been trying to piece it together. And now it's like, wait, look at these, like, three or four things and create a strategy. So thank you. It's great. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure. All right. So another edition of The Coaching Show. If you've got extended content accessed, you, then you can uh, stay with us. Otherwise, we bid you farewell. And thank you for listening. We will be back with you every week. Uh, with people out on the cutting edge, useful information, or just stuff you should know about in the area of coaching. I'm Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, and uh, I thank you for listening or watching, dear listener or watcher, and we will talk to you next week. 